from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Bram. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. Hey, call us throughout the show, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we're taking your calls live right now on Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we have the Dream Team back in studio this week, Michelle and Dion. Woohoo! And today is Listener's Choice, so if you're just tuning in, get in line. We'd love to hear from you, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, to hear your questions, your tips, your advice, because it helps lots of listeners who are in a job search or having career dilemmas. And to help us with that, we welcome back a crowd favorite, Ross McPherson, who is the president of CareerQuest. He is also a certified interview and job search coach and recognized as one of the best resume writers in North America. Ross has spoken extensively to audiences across the U.S., Canada, and Asia, including to our MBA students right here at Wharton. And he has been on Career Talk several times sharing his wisdom and advice. So we're always excited to have you on the show, Ross. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be here. Can't wait for it. So, yeah. So you are on often, and we always get lots of callers when you're on too, because you share some great advice on resumes, LinkedIn. And so we're going to talk about all of those things. Sure. But I thought it'd be fun to talk about some career dilemmas and get some interesting, kind of tough questions out there so that we can give some advice and tips. But before we get into that, Ross, what's new in your world? What's new in my world? Uh, wow, just more of the same. It's, it seems to be very busy out there, to be honest with you. And, uh, but also a lot of speaking engagements and so forth. So I'm keeping myself very busy, but um, a ton of people seem to be making moves right now. Um, moves up, moves across. There's an awful lot happening. Moves to switch? Is that? Uh, there's, that's always a popular one. <laughs> there's always a popular one. Yes, there are switchers out there. My favorite topic. <laughs> Your favorite topic, exactly. Aside from networking, but I think it's all related. So, so... <clears throat> As you're working with all of these different populations, Ross, are you noticing any kind of trends or, or things in the marketplace that our listeners should be aware of? Um, well, the ones that impact, I mean, I hate to be entirely 100% selfish in this, but the ones that impact me on the writing side, on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the resume and LinkedIn sort of side is, uh, and I've been saying this on your show, um, you know, for a couple of years now every so often, but I'm finding that uh, the market wants things even more and more concise. Uh, they really, I mean, we've always said, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. Uh, but I would say it seems to be even more so. Get to the point, be concise. What is your value proposition? If you're just listing, and we've talked about this a thousand times, if you're just listing skills and responsibilities, there's nothing that's really making a person stand out. And the other thing that, uh, that I, I know you and I have spoken of in the past is those, uh, you know, the technologies used on the other end when your resume is sent through, um, they're getting more and more robust and more and more interesting in using artificial intelligence, and that changes how your resume is being perceived, how your LinkedIn, how those search engines are using and, and viewing your LinkedIn. It's, it's an always evolving field. So those are the sort of things I'm noticing is this making certain that we're, people are, are building resumes and building their marketing tools to 
appeal to the audiences and the technologies they're using so that they get noticed. Ross, I like that you use the word concise. I feel like that's going to be a theme for the show because I think you're right. It's not just resumes, but it's cover letters. It's it's conversations. It's networking meetings. I mean, people don't really have time for more than 15 minutes and you need to be able to make your impact very quickly. So it used to be that you have an advantage if you can list all of these skills and this, you know, experience that goes back 20 years and you've done all these things. But the the opposite is now true. Now they want the highlights. They want to be intrigued. So they bring you in to get more information. So it's really critical that in your resume, your LinkedIn profile, when you're networking, when you're interviewing, to put those most important, most applicable points out front and center so that they stay engaged and want to talk to you more. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with crowd favorite resume guru, Ross McPherson. You are a crowd favorite, Ross. I love it. I love it. I love your intros. I, I really do appreciate them. They're good for the ego. They're, they're concise and they're, they're, they're targeted. It makes people want to engage, which is what we were just talking about, right? Exactly. <laughs> You've got a good brand, Ross. You're listening <laughs> Series XM, and we're taking your calls right now, Thursday noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Career Talk 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to John in North Carolina. Welcome to the show, John. What's on your mind today? Well, um, thank you guys for taking my call, by the way. And I uh, just you know, wanted to know, I've been with a company, a finance company now for about a year and a half. And when coming with the company, it was very great. I did tell myself that I wanted to try two years. Um July 21st will be that two-year mark, and uh, I just wanted to know at what point should you make a career change with a company um, just kind of difficult right now. So you want to leave. You know you want to leave. Do you know where you want to go, John? Um, well, another finance company. <laughs> uh, I started to uh, – well, it came from security, so it was a different switch uh, to the finance and uh, started liking more of the 401Ks, annuity talks and conversations – and so that kind of sparked something with neighbor deeper conversations with clients. So hopefully moving towards like another uh, finance industry, maybe um, a company that's more investment-wise or annuity-wise, something oh. like that. And just thinking about your job history, so you've been in this job, it'll be two years in July. What about previously? Have you been in jobs longer than two years? This is actually the first time. Oh, this is your first job. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Congratulations. So two years is, in my opinion, that's fine. I mean, especially if you're just starting out, um, what we know about the job market is that people spend an average of about four years in a role. Millennials tend to spend less time, closer to two, two and a half. So you're kind of right at that that midpoint. What I think is most important, though, John, is that you know where you're going um, before you make the leap. Because a lot of people know when they're done with a certain job or a certain company, but they don't invest the time to create a very solid target and plan for where they're going, which means that the job search takes a little bit longer because you're always going to be more successful when you're going to something that's really exciting and you're passionate about than when you're, you're running for from something. So, Ross, what advice do you have for John? Oh, certainly. Well, first off, echo everything you said is, is uh, to really make certain that you're being really quite careful, thoughtful, and, and sort of strategic about making that move and knowing where you're trying to go. It's almost impossible to head anywhere if you don't really clearly know where you want to go. Um, and then you're just running away from something, as you said. But if you are making it, first off, I don't see anything wrong. I think your timing is about right. So if you are starting to, to sort of think, okay, now now's about the right time, 
put that plan together, really understand, you know, it sounds like you're getting a good idea, John, of the sort of things you're looking to do, the kind of markets or companies or work that you're looking to do and get into. Um, it, what you just need to do, and I, I always come back to this, like I still come back to that, how you articulate your value proposition to that next organization. You now have two years of experience to leverage. You've really got to leverage everything that you bring from your current role into that next role. And you need to position yourself for that next role. So if you've been doing, you know, X in the finance world now, but you want to do something kind of more Y-ish, then you need to position yourself for that in your branding. You've got to always be thinking aspirationally. It's a phrase that Don and I have used quite, quite a lot, is you've got to, all of your marketing. It's not, don't build your resume and your LinkedIn to say, here's what I've been doing, although that's part of it. The real message should come across as, here's what I can offer now. Here's where I know I can fit in. And that's going to help you make that, that right kind of move. Because honestly, John, this is the time of your career where you can make leaps and bounds and really position the further years into your career where it, it, you know, that's where the real magic happens. So I, I wish you the best of luck. I think it sounds like you've, you've got a good idea, at least. You just need to put it in practice now. Yeah. Thank you. John, is that helpful? Yeah, very helpful. Um, very young. I'm the youngest uh, at the company, so it's kind of difficult when you have the veterans there and everybody's, you know, maybe 10, 15 years. And uh, it's just a little harder, um, more universal, but I, I thank you guys for the advice. Yeah, well, and, you know, it's an interesting place to be, too, because you might – a lot of people who want to change careers and, and really switch functions, depending on the size of your company, especially if you're working with a lot of people who are very experienced – is you know you can actually see if there's opportunities within your organization you know talk to your boss and say hey I'm really looking to do something different are these opportunities here and a lot of people are, are nervous to do that because they think well I'm sort of putting my cards on the table which you are but at the same time you're planning to leave either way so I mean think about that as an option too if that's not an option for you to answer your your main question two years is is pretty average in terms of how long you stay at a company so I think you are you are totally ready to go if that's what you choose to do all right well thank you guys so much i really appreciate it yeah Good thanks luck to you, john yeah thanks john 844 wharton 844-942-7866 we're here with ross mcpherson on career talk series xm channel 111 and it's interesting ross because we were talking about being concise mm-hmm. and you know that's something else that has really shifted is that you know, being at a company too long can actually be a negative now because if you're there 10 or more years, the perception in the marketplace is that, hey, maybe this candidate isn't as agile. Oh, it's very true. It, it, it is. I mean, that's it's sort of funny. Now, I personally think pendulums have a tendency to switch, you know, swing back a little bit. But that seems to be where we are right now. Everything is concise. Uh, you know, you, we're getting into and those of your listeners have probably heard phrases like the gig gig economy. Um, and portfolio careers and smaller jobs and that sort of thing. And that seems to be, that seems to be sort of current right now and, and perfectly fashionable and per- perfectly okay. Uh, but you're right. If you're 10, 15, 20, I would say at the same company, you're still okay. But when you've been in the same job 10, 15 years, that, there can be a negative connotation to it. You're right. Mm-hmm. 844-Warden-844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Carrie in Virginia. Carrie, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hi, I work in the uh, in clinical trial management, and I have uh, actually two questions. So, one, you guys have mentioned um, the idea of, of the information, the importance of the information being concise. So, my first question <clears throat> is on my LinkedIn profile or on a LinkedIn profile. Should um, should it be as you said, concise, or should it be detailed as to what I've accomplished at each 
like the, include the details of what I've accomplished at each opportunity? That's my first question. That's an outstanding. Um, and, that's an outstanding question. But go to go to question number two, and we'll answer them in order. Go for it. I'm just excited to answer that. One, but go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just happy that you're talking about this. So, um, and my second question is: I started a LinkedIn group um, around the area of my knowledge base, um, and have been inviting a lot of thought leaders and different parties, um, and and have been posting topics for us to all chat about. Um, what is what is what are your thoughts on that? Can you share your knowledge with me on on um, how I should position that as what I'm trying to do? Why I started that LinkedIn group is to try to uh, position myself better as a uh, to, to be seen more in the industry as having a lot of knowledge in this area. Um, so if you could give me advice about the LinkedIn group and and how I could use that and how it should re- really be used. So those are my two points that I'd appreciate your guidance on. Okay. I think I think Ross is, is chomping at the bit to answer question I'm, one. I'm actually standing up now. Okay, um, he's standing up. <laughs> um, okay, so Carrie, uh, great question. You know, when we say concise, uh, I, I should probably clarify it because I think I, I don't want to misinterpret things uh, or things to be misinterpreted. When I say concise, certainly on your resume you need to be concise, and as Don had mentioned, in your networking you need to be concise. By that we really mean you've got to get to the point, you've got to distill your value proposition, what you specifically offer, um, I very often say you need to have an answer to anyone. Is like, why should you? Why should I hire you? You need to have the answer to that and a concise one. Here's what I'm good at. Here's where I can step in. <clears throat> Here's where I add value. Here's what distinguishes me. You've got to be able to get to those points. However, on LinkedIn, you've got to kind of temper that. I would still say get to the point. Um, but on something like your summary, uh, they give you 2,000 characters to work with in your summary on LinkedIn. And there's a reason why LinkedIn gives you certain character limits in certain areas. They do actually want you to put some content in there. So by concise on LinkedIn, I think what I really mean is to be more clear is I just want you to get to the point, but really be clear on what your value proposition is. Really distill what your experience is and the value behind it. And certainly when it comes to your education, or your experience section, I should say, by all means, put some bullets in there, put some experience in there. Do you need to fill all 2,000 characters or 1,000 characters if that's what the limits are for that field? No. But I do, I'd say most of the profiles out there are what I call skeletal. There's almost, there's not enough information in there. So you do want to add some content. By concise in that context, I would say just get to the point and really understand what your value proposition is, what that achievement was, where you added value, and jump right into it. And you get those keywords in there, the kind of searchable terms that you want to be known for, that you're exceptional at, that's what you've got to make certain are in there and really get to the point. That's kind of where concise fits in with the LinkedIn. That's an excellent question. Yeah, I think a good word, Ross, skeletal. Um, one of the things, Carrie, that, that's difficult is that it depends what you do and it depends on how clear you can make it. I've seen great summaries that have th- literally three words. Now, that's very, very rare. Very, yeah. <laughs> I've seen them. They're clever. They're yeah, very, very well clever and it just fits for whatever reason. And I've seen great summaries that use all 2,000 characters. But chances are you're going to fall somewhere in between. And I always say don't let the great stuff get hidden by the good stuff. So so people tend to say, well, this is good and this is good. Uh, but Think about what's great, and that's the stuff you want in your summary. First off, have a summary. I see a lot of profiles that don't even have a summary, and I think you're really missing out because when you look on your mobile devices, those first two lines of your summary are what come up. So you want those to be very eye-catching, very brand-oriented, and those are probably the two most important. But 
if you're hiding the great by the good, then that stuff can be removed or maybe moved down to the experience section under a specific job or under a specific education. So I think that's that's number one. I, I think, too, LinkedIn can be used for those things that maybe aren't great for your resume. LinkedIn can add some of those things in to kind of round you out as an individual, which I like about it. It makes it's more personal. It's more about, hey, hi, I'm Carrie. Meet me. And so it definitely should be something that is if you're almost speaking to somebody. So so you get to show your personality maybe a little bit more in LinkedIn, which is a very cool thing. So when you think about it, I would think about using it that way. And then your second question about groups. So you started a group. How many members are in your group, Carrie? Uh, right now, I only have 154. I used to have a Yammer page with over 800, uh, but but then I had to shut that down, the Yammer page down, and I started this LinkedIn. I had the idea to start it on LinkedIn. Um, and so I only have about 150 plus on there, a bit over 150. And how about your connections? How many connections? I don't have all of my connections on. Oh, over oh, my connections, it's uh, about 2,000, uh, about 2,000. Yeah. So the interesting thing, the reason I like that you created a group is because I do think the internet and and social media is getting saturated and you scroll through. I mean, you used to be able to scroll through and see most things. And now I think there's so many things on the internet that it's really easy to miss. So I like that you created a group to specialize. I also like that you created a group because you're trying to establish yourself as an industry expert in a certain area. So I think there are some benefits to doing that. Um, the same time, you know, I think there's some benefits to using the, the broader network that you have and doing long posts on there and that are, again, industry-specific. But I think it really depends on what your purpose is for having that, that community. Ross, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. You can do the long posts. You can certainly do that. And it does, you do need to, anytime you're doing this sort of thing, you do need to, to sort of um, ascertain or really define what is my end goal? Who am I trying to attract? What am I hoping to get from this? If it's you want to attract more people to your group, that's one strategy. If you're looking to build your brand within the community or within the industry, that's a slightly different one. But if you're really looking to how to leverage it and market it, first off, congrats for doing it. I think it's fantastic. And don't get down on yourself with the number. Um, I'd rather you had 154 really laser-targeted people in that um, of value, the right people, than 2,000 where you know 90% of them, are, it's, it's sort of a miss or match. Um, so by all means, I think it's fantastic, but there's all sorts of different ways you can do this. Definitely include it in, your, in all of your marketing, in your resume. Mention it in the, in the profile, um, uh, the summary of your LinkedIn profile itself. Uh, but you know, do long posts. I can get that out there. Another thing that is underused in LinkedIn is status updates. It's just kind of like a Facebook status update. Um, you, it's on your homepage, and almost you know, very few people actually put this sort of thing, actually use LinkedIn for it. You can add the fact that you've, you know, um, if you have a signature line for your emails, um, mention that you are the you know, uh, founder or what, however you want to phrase it um, of this LinkedIn group, um, and maybe some sort of a connection to it or a, a badge that gets them to it. Uh, really sort of put it everywhere. And then it starts becoming part of your brand and more and more people will see it. And that's when, that's when the magic starts to happen. You really get some, some, some momentum behind it. 
Great. Thank you so much, Carrie, for giving us a call um, on Career Talk 844-844-942-7866. Great questions. I know a lot of people are wondering what to do with their LinkedIn profile. And I think, Ross, you really hit the the nail on the head where, you know, if it is skeletal, people look at it as you're not even on it. You're not using it. You're not really in the game. And I think that's a very important takeaway. And it's it's also hard to be found because they're using search criteria to find certain people with certain skills or backgrounds. And if you've only got a skeletal you know, profile filled out, it's hard for you to be a match. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Career Talk, Series XM, Channel 111. We're going to go to Craig in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Craig. Uh, good afternoon. How are you guys? Great. What's Great. on your mind today, Craig? Well, my question isn't, isn't so much about, uh, you know, current career advice as much as future. Um, I'm 34 years old. I... I am a certified engineer, and about, I don't know, eight years ago, I was sitting in my cubicle and just wondering, you know, I was 20, 26 years old, and I was thinking, I cannot do this the rest of my life, you know, designing designing pieces, parts of a system. Um, so I, I had a, uh, a come-to-Jesus moment with our, our corporate HR person that said, you know, what do you want to be in 10 years? And, and I, I decided I'd like to be on the, like the sea level path. Um, that's always the strategy of a business has always been my, you know, my calling. So they told me to get out of engineering, get into sales and get my MBA. So that two weeks later I put in my two weeks notice. I took a sales job with a, a, uh, industrial manufacturer, industrial distribution company. And I enrolled in Penn state and got my, my MBA. So well I, I put my, you know, I put my money where my mouth was, but then, so I worked for uh, a mid-level uh, distributor for 10 years and I, or excuse me, six years. And I moved my way up pretty quickly. I went from a salesman to a sales manager to a branch manager. And I decided it wasn't, it, it wasn't good enough. I don't know if that makes sense. It sounds kind of pompous, but I, I, I didn't want to do that for the next 30 years. So I uh, I started looking for opportunities with you know higher ceilings, and I ended up uh, after about a year's worth of searching, found uh, a position with a company that's owned by a very large industrial distributor. And my I guess my question is, I want to get to that C level. And at 34 years old, I'm the sales manager. I have you know 15 direct reports and. Uh, salesman and probably in control of 30 to 40 million. Um, but I want to get to that next level. My question is, do I, you know, is this a five year spot? Is this a 10 year spot? Is this a two year spot? And if I want to, you know, I want to advance in this company. Um, how long do I, you know, I put forth my best efforts and which I will continue to do no matter what, but how long do I, just remain dormant until I start looking for those next opportunities within the company or within another company. Okay, so um, just to recap, you're an engineer, you went back to school, got your MBA, switched over to sales, and you're looking to get to the C-suite. You're 34, you you said you manage P&L, right, Craig? Yeah, I, I did previously. Now, in my new role, I am just in charge of sales, which which is in a way better because it, it gives me more uh, more to prove, uh, because coming from a smaller one, um, you know, managing PNL on 5 million, 
is not the same thing as managing just the sales side of a 40 million. You know, I think it looks better on both paper and when you're talking with a prospective employer. And you, you said something interesting to me. You said remain dormant. Tell me what you mean by that. Because you don't sound I mean, like a guy that remains dormant. <laughs> well, I, I have a very hard time of being satisfied. And I don't know if that's a curse or a blessing. but uh, It's both. I, I, I mean, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to maintain a high level of professionalism and, and drive. But uh, in two or three years, if I'm still doing the same position, this is exactly what I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to remain in the same position for... 10 years waiting for that promotion to get to the, you know, the, the next level and then wait another 10 years to get to the C-suite. I, and I'm not saying I, I have what it takes at this point. I still need to learn the game, but um, I, I want to know is a, from my perspective, uh, from the sales perspective, sales management, that's a good position, but you know, do I, do I remain in the, you know, the next logical position for me is taking over, the, the entirety of the PL responsibility in the branch uh, when my future, my boss retires in the future. Um, but is that a position that gets you to be a really good manager of a location or is that a position that gets you to the C level, you know, positions or, or in, you know, the, the corporate level positions that oversee the subsidiaries and the, the, uh, the branches. Right. So it's very clear you're focused on the, the C-suite. So, I mean, you definitely have a target goal. That's that's not a near-term goal. I mean, that that's it, obviously it depends on the size of the company, the industry. There's, there's a lot of factors that that depends on. It also sounds to me a little bit like you, you want the path that's going to guarantee you that um, trajectory. And I, I think that guarantee doesn't exist for any job, um, certainly, because markets change, industries change, regulations change, and you know things along the way will sidetrack you. But what I think is most important, because you are a go-getter, you, you do have that drive where you're not going to remain dormant um, for very long, is that you continue to put together a plan about what experiences do you need. So if you haven't already, when you say C-suite, do you have a particular position? Are you talking about CEO? Are you talking about CIO? What, what, where in the C-suite do you want to be? I, I, I am one for strategy. Uh, operations, I see the necessity and I, I see where it's important. But I, I think if you're really good at operations and you have a solid plan, uh, there is a continual learning process and a continual evolution. But I, I'm more, I want to see big picture. I want to see five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Where can we, you know, instead of being a lagger in the industry, where can we be a trendsetter? Where can we be, you know, a trailblazer? Um, I want to think long-term and I want to think, uh, you know, direction as opposed to day-to-day. Right. Day-to-day, you know, is there's a certain person for that. And I don't think I am he. (laughs) (laughs) It's very poetic, Craig. So, so here's the thing. Have you, um, have you spoken with a lot of people in the C-suite? And the reason I ask is because I, I think there's a lot of benefits from it. One, you know, everybody you'll you'll talk to will probably tell you they had a different path and a different trajectory to get there, which can be helpful, but you know, might also be frustrating. The other thing is what you're talking about 
you know, when I think to myself, why does Craig want to be in the C-suite and why, you know, what is that about? And you're really talking about strategy and making the decisions and being at the table and maybe being more of the idea guy versus the guy who's going to do it and, and get it done. Um, you know, and, and I'm not sure that the C-suite is the only role that would offer you that. So so is it a status thing? Is it a title thing that you're after? No, I, I, I've never been motivated financially or by title. It's just been, you know, I was just I was just speaking to one of my good friends who's in finance for a nonprofit, and she was talking about the the uh, incongruencies of the IT the IT approach versus the finance approach, and trying to make those things blend, and how um, and how. We're always trying to, and we're doing this in my industry as well, industrial distribution. We're always trying to force a technology onto a problem as opposed to solving a problem with, or solving a concept in a root problem with a technology. And and I'm seeing it, and I people that I talk to in my age group and um, and a little older, I'm seeing the the like the common thread of where the the work, everything's you know everywhere always has this everywhere has its problems everywhere has its its uh, complications but I want to be the like the kind of person that starts trying to you know throw the pass ahead of the receiver as opposed to throwing where he's at and you know the I I've always felt that the from all the companies I've worked for that the guy that usually makes those decisions is at the top and um, you know that's where you have the most influence. Uh, and I, and I'm not saying that this is a short-term goal. I, I'm perfectly content reaching that goal uh, at some point. I just want to, I think, having that kind of uh, knowing that I can get there with what I'm doing will give me that kind of, you know, sense of peace of mind that I can, that I can just, you know, keep motivating myself. Yep. Um, I just don't want to be on the wrong path. Got it. Um, Ross, what is your advice for Craig? Uh, well, it's, it's not. So much, I don't want to sort of, sort of say advice because I think you hit Don that there's there's a lot of thinking that goes into this. Uh, but but Craig, a couple of things I just sort of give you, and you probably considered this already. Uh, but if you're at at the sort of, I think you had said your sales manager right now. Um, if you're looking for you know what's going to get you to that next level, what's going to get you closer to some of those st- strategic decision making roles. Uh, it could be, I mean, you know, we, you heard with the previous caller we were talking about, you know, have you spoken, uh, spoken to your boss, seen if there's opportunities where you can get involved. Um, you know, if you're driving, you know, you're, man- you're, you're managing your, your $40 million in sales right now, but if there's another level of sales leadership or there's other initiatives, strategic initiatives that the company is involved in, and if there's an opportunity internally to say, I would love to be part of that, um, even at the table to behind, it just gives you access and exposure at a strategic level, which one introduces and builds a skill set and shows people and showcases a skill set at the strategic level internally, but also gives you that experience that you can now start marketing and saying, I'm not only sales manager at this distribution company, but I am also involved with these strategic initiatives with the executive team. So if you can get access to an opportunity like that and say, just I just want to be involved in that, that's tremendous experience and that'll fast track that. The other opportunity always, and I know you went to from a smaller mid-size, you know, industrial distributor to a larger one, you know, smaller companies sometimes, and again, something to just think of, and you may already have, but smaller organizations, smaller companies, 
very often you get a role that's like a director slash VP of sales, where you are for the smaller company driving the entire sales strategy and, you know, and maybe even involved. And then what happens, and I, I see this all the time in the resumes that I write all the time, is a person will take over the role of director or VP of sales at a company. And then because they're doing so well, because they've proven themselves at that level, they've also then been given this, and then they're given that, and then they're given that. And then essentially, they're, they're doing half the company, and they are driving strategy in two or three areas. So it is a growth move, but there are ways of gaining that additional, you know, you've done the, the hard work in terms of making a career switch, getting your MBA, you've built the foundation, you're moving in the right direction. I think now you just need to get more access to more strategic decision making. Yep. And so those are two options just to consider. Agreed. And, you know, just to give yourself a quick plan, Craig. So, you know, I think step one, talk to as many people in the C-suite and as many different industries as you can and ask them, you know, what were the most helpful um, types of projects or experiences, and you're probably going to hear managing PNL. You're probably going to hear maybe a, a global assignment, maybe um, you know managing a transformation or, or a turnaround situation. And so, when you can start to say, "Okay, these are experiences that I need," then you can start to work those into your job. Because, I, and I think for anyone who kind of is feeling bored in their work or feeling like, "Oh, I've been waiting around, and I'm not getting to the next level," don't wait. You can create these opportunities to get involved. You can ask your boss. You can ask other. There are people, you know, around you. How how can I help? How how can I step in and learn this and get involved with these different things? So I think I think that's step one. Um, you know, something else I think that would be really helpful for you, Craig, is to work with a career coach for you know a, a, you know just a little bit of time so that you can kind of untangle and unpackage this because you seem to have a lot of drive and motivation and what's what's missing for you is really that clarity of of the path and how to get there. You know where you want to go. Um, but I think somebody who can kind of help you untangle that would would make this um, you know much easier when you're partnering with somebody else. And then something else that I think is really important is looking at the company culture you're in because different companies have different cultures. Some everybody, no matter what you're doing, is involved in the strategy and others are more bureaucratic and it's just, hey, this is your role. So it could be in part the company that could be an issue. And then when you're ready, if you decide, hey, C-suite is for me, I want to go, I want to move up, I think it's really important internally to find a sponsor, somebody who can help you because a lot of the yeah. career decisions that are made are made when you're not in the room and you know you want to have a seat at that table when, the, you know, when those decisions are being made and you can do that through through the help of a sponsor who is actually in those meetings. So I hope some of those next steps will be helpful for you, Craig. I think you certainly have a lot of drive in you. So um, get out there and use it because you are, uh, you're, you're on the right path. Thank you so much, Craig, for giving us a call. Yep, best of luck. And um, for those of you on the line, you're going to hold on just a moment because we need to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay, what physical ailment is said to have contributed to Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo? <laughs> what physical ailment is said to... Oh, oh, dear. Yeah, this is not at all. Sorry, Ross, no Stanley Cup. No. This I'm one's a little harder. That. I'm not touching that. Yeah, what physical ailment is said to have contributed to Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo? And I will even give you a hint. This physical ailment prevented him from surveying the battlefield on horseback. If you think you know, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio and we are powered by... The Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, career director here for the Wharton MBA for Executives. And we're here with crowd favorite Ross McPherson from CareerQuest, resume guru, and just all around extraordinary human being. How do you like that? <laughs> it gets better and better. Thanks. <laughs> it does. Hey, Ross, where can people find you for more information? Um, yeah, uh, probably the easiest thing um, is to email me. Um, email me or call me. So if you want to email me, um, if you're looking for some assistance in the resume or LinkedIn or branding or how you're marketing yourself, um, I would love to help. So you can email me, my first name, Ross, R-O-S-S, at yourcareerquest.com. And I know this is insane, but I will actually pick up a call if someone calls me. <laughs> Toll free. one eight, That gets you every time. So call one, me, maybe. <laughs> I should, actually. I'll just break into song. <laughs> Um, 1-877-426-8548. Happy to help. Fantastic. And Ross can help you with your resume, your LinkedIn, video bio, video interviews, which are becoming more and more popular these days. Yep. So you want to make sure you know how to do that because those can be a little intimidating, no? Oh, they can be very intimidating. (laughs) I mean, there's ways of managing this. If you understand what the technology is and how it works and what they're looking for, and then you just sort of... I hate to say it, but you kind of practice talking into a camera on your computer. Mm-hmm. You just, you just, once you understand what you're working with, it actually is, is not as intimidating. It really can be done. It's just it's definitely a surprise when you're not ready for it. Awesome. Well, Ross can help you. So, yep. hey, lis- to. listening to Career Talk, we're going to go to Richard in Virginia. Welcome to the show, Richard. What's on your mind today? Hello, Dr. Don Graham. Hello, Ross McPherson. The Hello. best hour of the week on XM Radio. Oh, we 11, love you, 11. Richard. You guys are on fire. <laughs> Keep up to good work. Wait, you uh, need to say that again so Dion can record it. Um. Oh, I've got something for Dion. Don't worry about that. Oh. I'm concerned. <laughs> Wait, let's start with that. What, what do you got for Dion? Well, you had the pre-break quiz, so we know you usually poll them what their answers are. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I would like to save maybe bunions or constipation for Dion and make a guess that. Because <laughs> <laughs> his answers usually deal with like below the waist. <laughs> bunions are like all the way below yeah, the waist. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm not getting on a horse if I have bunions. I don't. So, uh, so maybe I'm going to go with uh, nausea. He was just nauseous. Ooh. Like Ooh. Well, nauseous. Let me, no idea. Let me remind listeners what it was. What physical ailment is said to have contributed to Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo? And hint, it prevented him from surveying the battlefield on horseback. It is not nausea. And I'll give Dion a hint. Mm. It's not constipation. <laughs> and it is not bunions. <laughs> but but now we have to go to, to Dion because... Oh, great. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be the pre-break quiz otherwise. All right. Um, I, I know he was short, but I'm going to figure that has nothing to do with it. Is that a physical ailment? Well, that, that was the other thing. I know, <laughs> like, probably Michelle would get mad at me if I, if I said that it was because she's short. Never. <gasps> Wait a second. That was a double whammy. <laughs> double I'm, insult. I'm tired. It's okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to say bad eyesight. Ooh. Like cataracts. Ooh, cataracts. Specifically cataracts. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to get on a horse with bad eyesight. Oh, yeah, the horse thing. 
Yeah, oh. yeah, it was a horse. <laughs> I mean, you don't really need to I see well. I'm tired. As long as the horse can see well. As long as the horse doesn't have cataracts. There you go. No. No? Mm. <laughs> no, no, Michelle. I'm going to go with something a little more obvious and just say he had a broken leg. Couldn't get on the horse. He had a broke. No. This, mm. this is more... Of, yeah, this is... Uh, I was going to say it's more of a per- pervasive thing, but it it's not like forever. I don't know. Richard, does that help you? Bring it, bring it home, Ross. It's your chance. Yeah, Ross. Oh, dear. <laughs> Richard's oh. running the show now. I know. I love it. <laughs> he, 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 he's he's I allowed. I, had, I thought I had an answer until until the whole below the waist thing started. I went, well, that would stop. All right. I'll give you a horse. hint, Ross. It is below the waist. Is it really? <laughs> it oh, oh, dear. Okay. So that, I narrowed it. You helped me narrow it down. My first guess was going to be vertigo. But nope. that has nothing to do with waist above or below. Um mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Do I actually say this on the radio? Do you really want me to say this? Uh, PG-13. PG-13? Okay, I think it falls. It's just it's just really not pleasant. Was it something like hemorrhoids or something? It was hemorrhoids! Uh, <laughs> was it really? Uh, oh. That was it. Ross. I was close. You, you, you wow. were close. <laughs> you were the closest, Richard. So, fair Good enough. Good job. Good job. Yeah, so that obviously that would prevent you from... That certainly having would. an enjoyable horseback ride. Um, so, Richard, you did have a question, so sorry <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that we've... Oh, well, thanks, thanks for letting me play the game. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the question is, um, from your experience, Dawn, um, I know it probably varies based on the kind of profession that people are in, but what's the kind of time range that some people spend doing their whole personal inventory when they're looking at switching jobs and they're building their resume and they're interviewing or identifying target companies and all that. What's the process time frame look like for the average individual, say, in an entry level or some experience, three, three to five years experience in a role? Yeah. Um, so here, I, the reason I like this question is because there's so many factors that go into answering it that, it, you know, there, I would love to be able to say, Richard, three to five months. Um but it's it's kind of like the answer to most of my pre-break quizzes where it can be, it depends. <laughs> Dion always has a good answer, but it's never the right one. But it could be. Um, so here are the things that, that I think have an impact that you need to think about. One, are you looking to make a switch in terms of industry or function? Because if you're looking to do that, it's going to take longer. Um, two, are you looking to make a geography move? So if you're looking to move, say, from the East Coast to the West Coast, that can take longer. Um, what is the market like in your industry right now? So are you in an industry that's growing and hiring, or are you in an industry that might be slowing down or, um, you know, like oil and gas that's kind of, you know, struggling? So I think you need to look at all of those things. Do you have any perhaps red flags that might be a hindrance. So for some people, for example, um, you know, they've been out of the workforce for a number of years. So, you know, they've let their network go. And that's another one. How good is your network? How how well connected are you? Because if, if you're very well connected, that could speed things up. So when you look at all those factors, you kind of have to weigh those in. But what I would say is, and you brought this up too, how targeted are you? What I, what I think we find is that the less targeted you are, the longer your job search. And that's in part because your network can't help you if they don't know exactly what you want or you're not communicating it clearly enough for them to be able to help you find people who work in these companies that you're looking for. So I think all those factors count. But I think once you have a solid plan A, oh, it also depends on level. So, Ross, I'm probably missing a few things. Well, you hit them. You hit the big ones. I would say absolutely. I mean, you need to know. You need to know sort of where you're going, and the more you can narrow that funnel down, 
um, then that helps you understand what it takes to get there. And then are they hiring? Um, you know, what sort of traction is happening within that industry or that function? Those are all the sort of things that can change it. Because you, you know as well as I, Don, you've seen people who have made significant changes in a matter of months and others that it's taken a little bit longer for. And it all depends on these factors. But you've got to – the bet we've been sort of – it's been a bit of a theme today is – you know, the more you know about where you're trying to go, the more concise you get your plan and understand where you're going, that's when you can start making these things really happen. Yeah, the season matters. I mean, traditionally, hiring slows down a little bit in the summer and around the holidays. doesn't mean you shouldn't be out there applying, talking to people and doing all that stuff, but people are obviously on vacation, so things can take longer. So there's a lot of factors. I, I generally say if you're not making any big moves, like a geography change or switching functions or anything like that, then Six months is a is a really good time frame to be um, kind of projecting, especially if you you know exactly what you want to do and you have a good network. And it could be faster than that. But again, if you're at, for example, our, one of our earlier callers was talking about the C-suite. I mean, traditionally, a C-suite search can take over a year, yeah. sometimes up to two years. So so that makes a difference. So, Richard, you have three to five years experience. And what are you looking to do? So I've called before and asked about whether there was a flow chart that at a glance you can look at and see the, the paths that you could take in the different industries, uh, career paths, because I've got like three or four that I've targeted, yeah, I mean, that I've identified. And honestly, I've been in this stage for a long, long, long time, like many, many, many years where uh, I haven't worked with a career coach. I think that it could be helpful, but they're expensive, I think. Um, and, and the thing is I get stuck on the research aspect and there's just so much research you can do, um, including the, the informational interviews. If I were to try and, I, I don't know if I've answered your question. I'm kind of yeah. doing it the mouth. No, we're, it's funny because all of our students at Wharton, everybody asks this question. Is there, is there a, um, flow chart that tells me if I have these experiences, I can do these things. And certainly there are certain things on the internet. Like I like, um, I like ONET for that O-N-E-T because yeah, you can I know, do... Th- I know O-N-E-T like the back of my hand. I've been on it for 10, 15 years. But, wow. You know, I, That's you know, a long gonna, time. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's like there's just... there's just it, it, It's kind of like it's kind of like finding geography where you want to work or live. Like there's the, it seems like the grass is greener. Well, because, you know, this place has a lower cost of living, but then again, it's got less jobs or it's got no ocean, or, you know, you can never kind of get everything you want. So you can get stuck in research forever because you're, well, that job's got that, that job doesn't have that, that job has that, doesn't have that, and so on. I agree with you, Richard. And, and yeah. here's the thing. I, you, you talked about how do you know where to move? Um, you know, here's, clarity comes through action. I'm going to use your analogy, which is you don't know what it's like to live somewhere. I mean, really live somewhere until you actually live there. Because sure, you could take a vacation, you could stay at a hotel, and you can, but you're not doing your day-to-day things. You're not doing your dry cleaning and banking and sitting in the traffic that, that would go along with your work schedule. And the only way to know in certain cases is to take action. And you sound like you've, you've hit all the internet sites you've you've done all this research and now you need to step out of your head and start trying things so start crafting experiments maybe in your current job you could take on special projects maybe in your your spare time you can start a side hustle or take on a gig or contract Um, maybe you could do job shadowing with some of the people you're networking with and say hey can I just come for an afternoon and sort of watch what you do because I think you're you're very much um, kind of stuck in this analysis. Anal- pro- Ross, what am I trying to say? Analysis paralysis. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> 
And you got to step out. You got to take action, any action. It almost doesn't even matter, but you have to do something different because unfortunately there isn't going to be any one thing that's going to tell you what you need to do. And the reason that's an awesome thing actually is because the world is changing. There's a lot more people switching careers. So they want to do a different function or they want to do a different industry or do something totally different, which means that as we move towards this, you're going to, there's not going to be a path because you can go from sales to marketing to operations to do something else. And that's really exciting. Actually, I wrote a book about that switchers, how smart professionals change careers and see success. I'm sorry. I had to <laughs> that plug. Um, rolled off your tongue. Didn't it? Didn't it? It's available for pre-order on Amazon.com. Um, but I think this is an exciting time and those paths are going to be squashed anyway because you're not limited by what you've done before. Nope. And I know the fact that, well, you can do you know many, many things is frustrating you right now. But I think you talked about working with a career coach and it is expensive. But if you've been thinking about this for 15 years, I think it's time. And I think, I think investing in yourself, which is what this is about – is going to help other people invest in you as well. But you have to invest in yourself first. Ross? I would echo that entirely. I, and I actually got, heard, heard sort of the same things, Richard, was, um, you know, you've done a lot of research, but you're, never, you're right. You're never going to find the perfect thing that hits all of the points perfectly. Um, and it does sound like there's a bit of that analysis paralysis. You're, you're researching and researching and researching and researching, waiting for the answer. Um, I would say at this point, the phrase that just popped into my head and is just screaming in my head is pull the trigger. And if pulling the trigger, just simply make the decision. And I would say if, it, if, it, if the first step, maybe do look into a career coach. Some of them can cost a lot, but you don't need to see them every single day and every single week, You've, even if it's a monthly thing. But one of the things a coach can do is help you stop spinning wheels in certain areas and focus attention where you're going to start getting some real traction. Because um, it's very possible that, you know, once you've, when you've been at this for a while and researched for a long time, there may be wheels that are spinning and you're not, you're not, really you know putting the attention where it needs to be pull the trigger and, and either either investigate it or or even if you said look i can afford three sessions with a coach and if you meet the right coach and investigate them and say here i've got three sessions with you here's what i'm trying to do can you help me focus and help me sort of decide what i need to do and then ultimately make a decision make a decision take action as don had said pull the trigger richard you know life is too short and you, any decision you make is never irreversible so make a decision, and that's where the, the real, in my opinion, that's where the real joy, the real marrow in life really comes from, is make a decision, have, make a change, do something exciting and phenomenal. Pull the trigger, Richard. Richard, we love that you listen to the show all the time. Oh, and love it. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate it. And I, I, I feel like you just have to take that step forward and like the whole world is going to open to you and there's never going to be a definite. And I think that's, that's both frustrating and exciting. But if you take that step forward, things are going to start happening and you know, you're going to get out of your head and just, just wait for it. So, um, actually don't wait for it is what I'm saying. Go, just go. (laughs) You're listening to career talk, Sirius XM channel 111. And we're going to go to um, Drew in New York. Welcome to the show, Drew. Hi, what? thanks for having me on. Yeah, what's your question, Drew? So I am about mid-level in my career. Uh, I've got about six levels of experience, all in digital marketing. Um, I'm at a place where I'm looking to get, but just started the family, and I'm looking to get inside a Fortune 100 to Fortune 500 company. But my biggest problem is my resume shows 1.5 years here, 1.1 years here. The longest I've ever had was back when I was in college, 
started as an intern at a big Fortune 100 company, stayed there for five years, and you know now it's just been here, there, here, there. How do I get past that label of a job hopper? Yep. Me interviews when people say that. Yep. So, so here's the thing. Um, we only have 30 seconds, so I'm going to go to our resume guru to talk about yeah. how you can fix this on your resume. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't, we can't, um, we can't change the years that you spent in those roles. We can't, you know, the, the durations are what they are. They're 1.1, they're 1.5 years, and so forth. What you really need to do, sometimes your experience is what it is, and it's just the way the markets work. And there's certain industries where that's really quite the norm. But what you've got to do is you've got to, if that's just what you're working with, that's the, the hand you've been dealt, um, on your resume, you've got to make certain that your value is so strong um, that they look past that. They're interested still. Ultimately, what your resume is designed to do is get you in a door talking to someone. That's how you need to think of it. So if your resume, if, it, if there's no other way of doing it and saying, look, it was, it was a short-term here, a short-term there, a short-term there, that's fine. But if you frame it as this, you know, this, movement within the industry gave me opportunities and exposure into this area, this area, and this area, and I was able to fast-track it. Now what I can do is I can bring your Fortune 500, one, Fortune 100, or 500 company. Here's what I can bring, and I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and it was because I fast-tracked these opportunities from one company to an X that I'm able to, able to offer you this. It's don't look at it as a negative. I always say this, whatever we're dealing with, how can we play this as a plus? Yep, I love that. Confidence breeds confidence. Exactly. So if you look at it as a as a positive and you go in there and you show results and you're not you know, you're not worried about it, it yeah. they're not going to be bothered by it. Drew, thank you so much. We wish you all the best. And Ross, one last time, where can people reach you? People can reach me. Email is ross, R-O-S-S, at yourcareerquest.com. Just reach out and say hi and, and ask any question. Um, I'd love to help. Or you can call me toll-free at one 877 426-8548. Thank you so much. We love having you on oh, Career Talk, it. Ross. Thank you so um, much again. Love it here. <laughs> yeah, then thank you to our listeners and our callers and, of course, Dream Team, Michelle and Dion, who make this show sound great. You've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111, and we will see you next time. 